Hi, this is Patrick Hollick, and this is my interview with Zachary Quinto. Zach has always been one of my favorite actors. I've been watching his work for a while now, and I really like his take on performance. In this interview, which you could see in the series, the conversation went all over the place. It was interesting to talk to Zach about the difference between theater and filmmaking, producing. Uh, we talked about loss, we talked about family. I thought Zach had a lot of good insights, and it was interesting to talk to him about his relationship with Leonard Nimoy, art, collecting photography. And I think it was interesting to hear his take on where he's at and where he's going. It was one of my favorite interviews I've done. I hope you enjoy it. Is this the pace? You're the expert. Sure. Okay. Like a leisurely stroll down the New York a leisurely. Street. Can you not be so much taller than me? I'll try. <laughs> you started acting as a, as a little kid. Was it supported? Pittsburgh actually has a robust cultural scene. And especially for kids, there's a lot of like outlets and uh, resources for kids to perform. And uh, a lot of kids that I studied with and like grew up with mm -hmm. are still pursuing it in some way or another. And I think that's a testament to, um, to where we came from, you know? I feel grateful for that. Who was the most important person in your childhood? My father. Yeah. And part of that is because he died. So I think that uh, he became this kind of mythical figure in my life. And I think he became the most important person in my life, not just my childhood. I lost or, mine as well. You did? Yeah. At a young age? No, interesting is, is uh, I was adopted and then I, uh, I met my, my dad later in life as a reason. I think he knew he was dying and then I got to meet him and then I lost my mother that I grew up with my whole life soon after. Wow. But I was older. I wasn't a baby. Right. Yeah, I was seven. So it was intense. a really traumatic experience and I feel like set me on a different path than I would have been on otherwise, mm -hmm. you know? And, and in a lot of ways, I feel like it shaped me for the better. But that seems like such a weird, weird thing to say. Sure. But I think I cultivated a, I don't know, it created an inner life. I don't know it would have existed if he hadn't passed away. I and, get it. Uh, and, and it was not for probably 20 years that I that I realized that right mm -hmm. like it wasn't until I was in my late 20s mid to late 20s that I started to like unpack all of the stuff yeah. that for better and for worse sure. has been a part of who I was because of that thing that happened in my childhood um, and all the subsequent ramifications of it in my family heavy shit but also really liberating you know in a way it's like a, a weird dichotomy I understand but yeah certainly I would say my dad Mine, I was adopted in the second they told me I was old enough to talk and that's when I packed and became another person. Oh, wow. And they took me to like the church and I was like, I'm God because wow. I don't have proof of a mother. Wow. That's when I packed mine up. Interesting. And I had all these compartments. Yeah, I remember yeah. one therapist is like, you know, it's the overall. You don't have to have boxes in your life. Right. You could like be the overall, you know, totally. you could just be. Throw it all in one box. But I was like, no, this is for her. <laughs> that's for him. This is for yeah. them. This yeah. is mine. Yeah. But adoption was my 
weirdoness where I just put my well, head down and like, own, right? Isn't it? I mean, yeah, I used to say in school, I used to go, hi, my name is Patrick, I was adopted, it doesn't bother me, and sit down. Uh, like, uh, <laughs> you're a uh, weird kid. Interesting. <laughs> Deflecting almost. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. No proof of family. Right. I was like, this is a film, these aren't my parents, I'm gonna have fun with this, you know? Yeah, that was my childhood thing. Yeah. And then I moved here, I mean, when I was a kid, so I avoided family, I didn't know them. Uh-huh. When Jim Hoffa was a little baby Sitting on his mother's knee A trailer truck passed and Jim screamed out That will be the death of me What do you think of the whole new social media, this new world, like the new generation? Does it trip you out? Oh man, I feel really... <laughs> it's hard to talk about because then I just sound like old and curmudgeonly, but I feel really... I feel, I feel sorry. I feel, I feel, I feel grateful. Okay, well, okay let's put it in this context. Yeah. I feel grateful that I grew up without it. Right, and that I'm of, I'm of that generation that was like right on the cusp. Like I didn't get a cell phone until I graduated from college. And like, I'm really glad about that. My five-year-old godson like knows how to work an iPhone and like <laughs> they know how to like watch stuff on on, on iPads, and yes. that's scary to me, I feel. Like, it's, <laughs> it's rewiring our brains as no, a know. species. My friend says, like, buying on a house, buying a house on an island does, doesn't exist. Like, I have all these followers. They're like, oh, that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, it's really, uh, I, I fear for, I fear for the, you know, like, I had this conversation with, uh, with a friend of mine who's also an actor who has uh, a really optimistic view of technology and, mm. and what it can do for our society and our culture. And I really respect him for it. And he uses it in a really positive way. Mm -hmm. Social media and just like technology, he empowers people with That's, it. And yeah. he engages people with it in a way that maybe I just don't have the like. Yeah, some people do, do some things Some people are really are nice into it, it that way. But I do think it's corrupted a sense of humanity. In, oh, in, in, I mean, a, I couldn't agree with you more. I'm, yeah. You know, I, I have my struggles with it. My friend's daughter is a little girl. She went up to the TV the other day and she touched the screen to swipe and move. And she goes, broken, broken. Seriously, how old is yeah, she? Yeah, she thought it was like four. You know, four, she's yeah. like trying to move the apps. But, but then I the then, yeah, but then I just feel like, you know, I get all kinds of flack from people for being like when Pokemon Go came out, uh -huh. I had like a very uh, <laughs> I was on a press junket in yeah. London and I had a very um, visceral response to it. I just got really like <laughs> I was like, come on, you know, and Another thing to distract ourselves and to, you yeah. know, put a thing in front of our face That's and amazing. like, you know, but then all these people came after me and they were like, no, no, like Pokemon Go really like gets people out of the house and like en encourages them to interact. And then you would see all these pictures of like people in a park, like literally like this, like walking around mm -hmm. in groups, like, and I was like, how, that is not connection, not, you know? And they're like, not. but it, it motivates people to be active. No. <laughs> and I was like, first of all, if that's your definition of active, you're in trouble. Yeah. And second of all, like, it just, I don't know. But then I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be judgmental and I don't sure. want to like, 
You know what's cool too is this new generation of kids. They're like, uh, I'm analog, I don't mess with digital. And I kind of like it. They're like, yo, I'm listening to vinyl and they're is there, only Is that true? Film. There's like a movement of kids that are doing that? Yes. God bless yeah, them. Yeah. They're like, oh, you're shooting digital? That's goofy, you know? I like those kids. I support those kids. Yeah, me too. It feels like our, 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 our human drive, which is an amazing aspect of our species, right? Mm -hmm. To evolve, to create, to um, redefine uh, our insatiable thirst for knowledge and, and progress is awesome, obviously, but I feel like we're getting close to the line where we don't have control over it anymore and mm -hmm. that's what's scary right we're mm -hmm. empowering technology virtual reality like uh also bioevolution the series that i've developed is about biohacking and um, do-it-yourself bioscience which is like a real thing you know <laughs> people like of manipulating the human genome and um and and it's, it's, it's these scary. are these are real things 3d yeah. printing like these are things that are in our in our world right now but but still on the periphery enough that we can't quite gauge the impact that they're going to have long term and then mm -hmm. flash forward 25, 30, 50 years and they've entirely changed the face of our species, not to mention our reliance and our interchangeability with technology. It's like, uh, it's shocking. Did you ever have to wait in an emergency room for hours? That's right. And when the boss is What is home for you? Is it where you came from, where you are today? Yeah. How do you define home? Home for me is a place where I feel safe and comfortable. Home is really important to me. I know that there are actors that, uh, for whom home is much less important because we travel so much. And you know, I know people that that don't even have a home to speak of. You mm -hmm. know, that 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 live where they're working and, and, you know, pack up and move that vagabond way. Um, and I enjoy that aspect of what, what I do. I like to travel and I like to be in different places, but I have to have somewhere that I feel like mm. I can let it all hang out, you know? Yeah. Um, a base camp of some sort. A base camp and definitely, uh, you know, I have I have animals, and so what do you I, have? Have, I have three dogs. It's uh -huh. a lot of dogs to have <laughs> in the city, what and kinds? Uh, they're all they're all rescue mutts, oh, terrier nice. mutts. Uh, I just got a, a, a the new. I've had the oldest dog I've had since he was three months old, and he'll, he's about to be fourteen. And then I have like a seven-year-old dog, and then I have a six-month-old dog. Ah, I mean, it just happens. that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so I don't know, like. Animals create a sense of home, plants create a sense of home, yeah. living things in a space for which I am responsible. Um, and, uh, and, and things that inspire me, you know, mm -hmm. artwork that inspires me and do furniture. Do you collect a little bit? I do a little bit, yeah. I'm starting to. I, I really uh, have a couple of pieces. Uh, I really like photography, so mm -hmm. I just got a new uh, Ed Bertinsky piece, which I'm excited about. Nice. And, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. You know, I'm sort of starting in that in that world. I, I love that stuff. Um, it, um, you continue to move, kind of from theater, film, TV. What's what's the preferred medium? Is there one, or is it just being active and moving from thing to thing that keeps 
like a peripatetic kind of person. I don't like to stay in one place. I love to be, you know, energetic and moving. Yes. So, I love to go from project to project. Um, I'm never more comfortable than when I'm on stage. Something about that would terrify me. Yeah. Really? Yeah, comfortable there. <clears throat> feel good on stage. There's an immediacy to it that feels exhilarating in a whole other way. And you know, it's the only medium where it's up to the actor every night. You know, you go to a film set, you you do your job, you go home, and then everybody else that shapes the project comes in and contributes and. You know, the editor and the director work together to shape performances, and then the sound designer, the composer. There's, there's just, uh, it's an incredible collaboration mm -hmm. to make a film or television show. Mm -hmm. And theater is no less collaborative in the long run. It's just the collaboration is uh, structured differently, and it happens on the front end of it. And then once something opens, you know, it's it's the actors and the stage manager who are responsible every night for taking the audience through this experience. And there's something to me that is empowering about that. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's something about it that's just incredibly um, exhilarating. And you're sharing this experience with the audience at the same time. You're all breathing the same air. And uh, and 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 there's. Um, there's just something that's incredible about that. If I could, if I could forge a career that was only theater, I would. You know. It's tough, right? It's very. Well, I mean, it's it's tough in the way that like uh, theater artists are grossly undercompensated for their work. Yeah, I think so. It's funny. It's the the best things are always that way. The things you really desire don't have. You have to sacrifice value. for something, right? Yeah. yeah. You've done a lot of things. What do you What do you feel most proud of? Um, I think, like work-wise, the thing that I'm most grateful to have been a part of is definitely this production of The Glass Menagerie that I did a couple of seasons ago. Um, it was my first play on Broadway, and uh, it was just a creatively revolutionary experience for me. You know, mm -hmm. taking a classic American play and looking at it from an entirely different point of view, understanding Tennessee Williams in a, in a totally new and, and deeper way. You do uh, graphic novels and digital media and you produce. Is that why you started your production company? You know, that stuff was more early days for my production company as we were trying to figure out how to get movies made. We developed some graphic novels and did some online short film, film? Films, uh -huh. some short films. And then we started making features and then that kind of took all of our energy. Um, and, and you know, we still have some of those graphic novels in development, but like long range development. I, I don't know that anything's like, you know, 
Like, we, we published the graphic novels so that we could adapt them into films, which may or may not happen down the line, but it was, frankly, it was more about us trying to figure out what the hell we were doing. Do you have, do you have preference between film, television, uh, is there a, something As you an actor, more? you mean? Or developing, uh, you know, as uh, the other hat, like. The thing about a film is that from a development standpoint, it's more contained. Uh, and all of the films that we've produced so far, we've financed independently and produced independently, and we've been able to maintain a fair amount of creative freedom and control. That's a big deal. Whereas with TV, it tends to get, like we have a TV show that we're developing right now uh, that we sold and that we are waiting to see if it gets greenlit to pilot, but then that's like a much more, there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen in that Tons, regard. Yeah, yes. you know, and it's fine. You just have to learn how to, I mean, that's where it gets like really. Uh, I know, it gets sad. That's why I made my first feature in 2010 and I've been traumatized ever since. I want to do another one. Yeah, I did so a love story about a writer. And it was a blast, but it took a long time and it was really brutal and exhausting. Yeah. It's hard. It can be. What's the biggest misconception about you? I think people think I'm a lot more serious than I am. I played a lot of very serious characters. Yeah. And uh, I think people don't necessarily expect me to be lighthearted or funny or uh, irreverent. Mm. But I try to be all those things. I did, um, I did Angels in America, the play. And I think that's probably the most challenging play that I did for a number of reasons. Um, it's basically eight hours long mm -hmm. when you do both parts. We didn't do both parts every day, but twice a week we did. Um, and then, you know, each individual part is like 3.45. So we did that every night. Wow. Um, so it was a test of endurance. I hadn't done a play in six years when I did it. And then, you know, as as staggeringly eloquent as that play is and as profound and beautifully written, it's so bleak. The play is not bleak, actually. The play, I think, is full of hope and um, freedom. But the character that I played, Lewis Ironson, is a particularly um, bound-up individual. Mm -hmm. Someone who's really wrestling with a lot of self-loathing and a lot of... Um, uh, a lot of a lot of hatred for himself and, and who he is and that was a that was real long, challenge yeah. do you stay in that like when you come home to it's not so much about it's no? not so much about like I didn't feel like I was staying in it but what happened and that was also a really long we started rehearsing that play in July and I did it until February so it was eight months and it's where, it, it's where it took hold of my body, actually. This is a character who's really bound up, and so like, I, I felt like I started to like carry it. It started to like manifest itself in, in, in a physical way in my body, and I had to like, so it, what, but I, I was still, like I was living, I thought I was living normally, you know, like living my life. But then all of a sudden I started to develop these like symptoms. Wow. Toward the end. And I had to get out. I had to like, I had to like, you know, spend some time unraveling that, which was the only time that's ever happened. Wow. 
I met I met a, a friend of mine that's a really good filmmaker made a couple films with Joaquin and what I noticed and we talked about was that he always had his like his shoulder pushed forward which is like blocking his heart. Huh. Kind of his, his natural state. Huh. It's, it's fascinating. It's, I don't know, it says a lot I think about Wok. Everybody carries it differently. Yeah. Whether it's um, a role For sure. or a particular creative experience or what it means to have to navigate those roads and be in the public eye. I totally. I feel like he's always protected somebody, because yeah. of his brother. Like what entertainment means. Sure. Like that whole like gotta keep it at bay. Yeah. A little bit. If you had to invite three people to dinner, who would they be? Ooh, Did you already know this no. one? Like, oh. Um. <laughs> living or dead. Either or. All right. Oscar Wilde. Yes. Um. It's a tough one. I man. think it's very tough. It is, right? Yes. I hate when they. Okay, let me, let me like really dig into it. Oscar Wilde. Uh, I'm trying to think of people that like. Mine was awful. I was like, uh, 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 who was it? Ronald Reagan. I always wanted to shoot him in a white T-shirt. Norman was like, what are you fucking talking about? Out of everyone, I'm like, I don't know. I'm just nervous. Interesting. <laughs> Had this weird obsession. Who were your other two? I didn't really, I kind of folded. See, it's like, like, it's kind of like, easy to fold boom. Okay, I would invite Oscar Wilde, um, Mike Nichols. Wow, that's a great one. Um, I actually, <laughs> yeah, and let's get a lady in there, right? Why not? Uh, maybe, okay, so Oscar Wilde, Mike Nichols, and Ruth Gordon. Ruth Gordon. Who is Ruth Gordon? Ruth Gordon. Uh, she Give was in Rosemary's Baby. She was in Harold okay. and Maude. Okay. I mean, she was. Uh, That's who I can do when I get asked. Casavetes. Yeah. <laughs> I was in the same house once when he was yelling at his kid, and then found the retrospective of his films years later. Saw this house. I go, that looks like this. My friend Zan and the guy that was obsessed with Casavetes goes, Alexandra's his daughter. I go, I was there. Seriously? Yeah, and she blew it off. Like I go. Uh, your dad, he goes, she, he was in a movie, you know, that's how they do it. Yeah, it's weird, I saw these Casavetes things and then I was like, I was in his house. He was yelling at her down the staircase. He's an actor, you know. Um, you got to know Leonard Nimoy pretty well, what was that? What's he like? This is, this is, he's, he's probably the most um, fulfilled person I've ever known. Wow in his life. Just like fully engaged every step of the way right up to the end. Um, and I think curiosity was a huge part of that. I think curiosity is an engine. Um, I think it's an engine of, of life in a lot of ways. I mean, some of the most fulfilled people I know are the most curious. Uh, I think curiosity keeps you young, right? He was constantly redefining himself as an artist. He went from being an actor to a director to a writer to a, a, an art collector to a philanthropist. What did he collect? What uh, kind of stuff? Did you ever see anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what was he into? Uh, I mean, they're contemporary art collectors. Um, so they, they collect a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of work that is being made by artists who are still alive and they have relationships with those artists where possible. Um, but they have an incredible 
collection uh, and, and really, really unique. Um, and I learned just a lot from Leonard about living fully. Yeah. He lived to the fullest every day. And did he ever. And he just never slowed down, he never stopped, you know, as intellectually, emotionally. Um, he was an incredible guy. And it was certainly one of the highlights of my career so far was getting to know him personally. I never would have imagined that our relationship would, would evolve uh -huh. as deeply as it you did. You thought it would just be work? Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm taking over this role. So certainly I'll look to him for some guidance, but... You know, our relationship went so far beyond the character that bonded us so quickly. He became family. That's awesome. Where was he, here or LA. Was he, he was in L.A.? Yeah. And I also feel like as I get older, like when I was younger, being an actor was the only thing that mattered to me. Uh, and, and striving for success. Uh, it was goals. Goal-oriented. Like and now I feel like my goals, my priorities have shifted a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. it's like uh, I'm more interested in like exploring uh, just like different landscapes of life. I don't know, that sounds no, esoteric, but no, you know what doesn't. I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm fueled by uh, just a, a different kind of... Uh, You're hearing a different vibration. Maybe. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Speaking of space travel, do you ever mess with astrology or have any belief mm -hmm. in it? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I, um, I like it. I'm into it. Gemini, Scorpio ah, rising, moon and Sagittarius. So you think it relates? Sure, how yeah. can I not, in a way, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like, I'm not into like predictive astrology as much as I'm into like, I think there is something to be said for the fact that the moment when we're born, planets and stars are in a particular configuration that they'll never be in exactly again in relation to where you are in, on the planet. And, and there's like energetic lineage there that, that interests me. I mean. I don't know. I actually just contacted an astrologer. I haven't had my chart done in a number of years, so I just contacted. Have you heard of the years. switch? Like, there's a new astrology chart. No, yeah, really? I've been told What's I'm no longer a Virgo. I don't Wait, know. They why? added what? something. It's a modernist thing. I, I don't know if it's true or false. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. They're like, oh, you're a Leo now. I'm like, what do you mean? And they said, well, they added a galaxy or something. I'm like, okay, okay. Hmm. I don't know if it's real or not. What's more difficult, an action film or Tennessee Williams on Broadway? An action film. A lot harder? Yeah. It's just uh, such a different experience. I mean, any film is really so different than doing theater. I don't ever feel more comfortable than when I'm on stage. That's the most comfortable? Yeah, absolutely. Film is so fragmented, you know, it's so... Uh, non-sequential and broken up and uh, and parceled out over mm -hmm. over time. So time takes on an entirely different 
sense when you're making a movie or a TV show. Um, you spend so much more time waiting than doing. Than doing, yeah. You know? And there's a ritualistic nature to theater. Um, spiritual kind of, you like trace the origins of theater back, it's like a, it's more spiritual in mm -hmm. a way. You know, and it requires a kind of, there's something ceremonial about it. There's something, you're showing up at the same place at the same time every day and you're standing in the same spot and saying the same thing and there's a different kind of uh, excavation that happens through that process that just doesn't exist in television and film. Television and film to me is much more about instinct and, uh, and um, uh, like, like moment to moment availability mm -hmm. and, uh, and, it, and it's more ephemeral in that way. It sort of goes like that, yeah. you know? What do you do when you like, I ask my friends that are singers, like uh, a good friend that's a great singer, and like, do you ever feel like, I don't want to go, I don't want to go out there? Like, but that's sometimes when you actually make the biggest breakthroughs, I think, at least in theater. I mean, mm -hmm. it's different to sing because it requires a kind of technical... Sure, but you have this thing and you have to go. Yeah, and that's like... And everyone's there. And that's also the thing that teaches you that it's like, you know, one of the fundamental lessons is like, it's not about what you feel or how you feel as an actor. And, mm -hmm. and it's sort of where you employ technique, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because your job is to tell a story and your job is to evoke a response from the audience. Your job is not to like... Internal. Yeah, necessarily. I mean, if you're going through a genuine emotional experience as a result of doing a play or singing a song, mm -hmm. then that's great but you can still achieve the same result for the audience uh, and not necessarily be feeling that depth. It's where you engage technique, you know? Mm -hmm. um, That's when you call on and, it. And it's also, I found like, you know, I did the last, <clears throat> the Glass Menagerie I did for, uh, I did it for seven months. Um, and, I, and I found that like the times that I resisted the most, mm -hmm were actually the times that I learned the most. So that's so, where the breakthroughs. Yeah. That's the stuff to get through. And that's the thing that's different about doing a play, mm -hmm. you know, than doing doing a film. Or, or I remember I did one in, in school, because I studied to direct, I studied theater, and I remember the best thing was is I, for, I had to come into a room and have all these actions and hide a picture of some girlfriend, because it was another girl, and I sat down with her and I legitimately forgot and everyone was like, that was very good and believable, but I uh -huh. forgot because I was terrified because <laughs> there's people, you know, it's just like, yeah, because it was honest. <laughs> I was so scared. Yeah, those moments. Yeah, I don't know how you do it. It's terrifying. Truthful, truthful behavior in imaginary circumstances. Yeah. You put some sugar in What would you say the hardest lesson you've learned is? <coughs> Patience. <laughs> yes. When you worked on Aardvark, what's it like, the difference between being in front of the camera and behind the camera? So well, um, you know, that's an interesting... Uh, Aardvark's the first movie that I produced that I also starred in since Margin Call. Margin Call was the first movie that I made with my company and the first movie that I produced that I was also in. You know, it's about, it was harder on Aardvark actually. I felt more affected by 
I think because Margin Call was much more of an ensemble film, and uh, and I could do things as a producer. There were days that I wasn't working, you know. Aardvark, I worked every day on that movie almost, and there were definitely uh, there were definitely moments where I felt like it was more difficult for me to separate myself out from my responsibilities as a producer. I would carry things into my experience of making that movie um, more than I wanted to. So it was an interesting time just psychologically for me. But uh, I love it. I actually love the challenge, mostly, usually, of producing and you know bringing something together and creating an environment in which everybody's incentivized to do their work mm -hmm. as best they can. I think that's a really, and, and to then you know, also be a part of it as an actor is, mm -hmm. is, a, is a unique experience. So um, I enjoy it. It makes me feel really like, you know, ultimately I would love to direct something. Um, but it makes me very clear that like, I would never be able to be one of those people that would direct something that they're in, you know? I don't think, yeah, I just don't think I would want that. I just think, yeah, I don't think I would want that. Yeah. At least not early on, you know? No, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Who do you go to for advice? Um, I have a couple core people in my life that I, that I reach out to on a regular basis. You know, all of my closest friends are friends that I've had for over a decade. Wow. Yeah. You know, all of my really closest friends are people that I went to college with. Um, and, and those are the people that I rely on, I think, for the most accurate reflection of who I am because they've known me the longest. And they're the people that hold me accountable. For you your know? behavior. Yeah, yeah. And, and hold me accountable to who I always have been, mm -hmm. not necessarily just who I am now yeah. or who I've become. Yeah. Um, so I like that and I rely on that. What would you say the most important thing you learned this year is? <clears throat> I would say this year has been a lot about uh, being being present, like being in my experience, uh, no matter what it is, right? Right. It's easy to get swept away in expectation or um, projection. Projection. I do that too. Stay present. Mm -hmm. Do you meditate or anything like this? I've been. Yeah. Do you have a mantra? I do. I do too, yeah. What's the best advice you've ever received? It's so cheesy. The best advice I ever received was, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. <laughs> but I had never heard it before. I was like probably 22. Yeah. I just got out of college. I'm just a pinch this and, way. Uh, yeah. And I was super, uh, I was super hard on myself in my early 20s and, and like my ambition got really mixed up with uh, my self-worth and I was doing a play and this actor who was older than I was wrote it in my opening night card, you know, mm -hmm. and we had gotten to know each other pretty well and I really liked him, he was a real, and, and, and it's so cliche, it's like, you know, you hear that all the time, but it's so important. It's helped me a lot. I think I'm proud of... I think I'm proud of, like, really trying to live authentically. Mm -hmm. uh, like, I I'm proud of 
both the effort that I've made and my ability to keep my feet on the ground and stay connected to my true experience. I would say my pursuit of truth, you know. That's my interview with Zachary Quino. I had a lot of fun walking around New York City and taking pictures. It was great to catch up with him and learn a lot more about him. For everyone out there listening, we have some really great episodes coming up. And as always, you can find this episode and bonus materials at patreon.com forward slash Patrick Hollick. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.